the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. And uh, it is time uh, to talk about Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi this week announced that she is going to retire as speaker or not run for re-election as the leader of the Democrats because... Well, they lost the House, um, and um, she was pres- has presided over the House as Speaker, and she has to leave that post. So uh, we'll talk about that in a moment, and uh, also we'll catch up today with John Schlafly. John Schlafly's column this week, it's the heart of the matter, if I can say. It's about the election issues and what the Democrats did and uh, what we can do uh, to fight back. So you're going to want to hear that interview. I'll be talking with John. You want to read that column. Also, we'll talk in a few moments with Jay Payleitner. Jay Payleitner is my friend. I work with him on some radio stuff. He's also an author. He's an author who has written a number of books on some really cool topics. He's a, he's a, I don't know if he's, if he would describe himself as a preacher. Um, he is a teacher, um, someone who is, um, um, regularly out speaking, especially to churches and to Christian communities, but he's also an author and he's uh, written a couple new books. Um, and one of them we've talked about in the past is uh, really fun. Um, Oh, the one, the new one that's just out is called Hooray for Grandparents. Uh, and that's uh, really a nice one. I have only seen excerpts of that or a couple chapters. The one I've read is Don't Take the Bait to Escalate, uh, which is about conflict and uh, not being a jerk about it. And so we're going to talk to him about Thanksgiving. We'll talk with Jay Payleitner about Thanksgiving uh, fun stuff. All right. But what you need to know today, what you need to know today, it's Pelosi. Pelosi retires. Now, I want to tell you something. <laughs> I love this. Pelosi retires, um, but not from the House. I don't know why she's going to serve another term. Is that true? Is she going to serve a whole nother term? Is she going to be underfoot as the next Democrat becomes the head of the Democrat caucus? Is she doing it for her pension? I don't think so. You know, I don't know if you know that the former speaker of the house, any former speaker of the house, whether his name is Boehner, Gingrich, Ryan, Pelosi, uh, gets a significant uh, increase in their pension especially in the form of an office and staff and a budget to take care of things. So, and briefings, you get briefed all the time. You get to, you're sort of in the loop. So um, the, we have a situation where she's going to have plenty and, and her husband's very, very wealthy. I don't know why she's staying in the house, but anyway, she announced, she showed up in, in white. She likes to wear white for suffragists. She's a first suffragist for women. She's a part of the women's movement. We'll talk about that in a moment. So she showed up in white to give her speech saying she's going off into the, into the, uh, uh, uh country into the, uh, sunset. And, um, you know, she's close to 80 and so is her husband. I mean, they have tons of money. They've made more money since she's been in the house. Uh, they've made, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, uh, a couple hundred million dollars. I guess it's north of a hundred million dollars, maybe not 200 million, but uh, very, very wealthy. Her husband's an investor and all that. And, and I'm sure um, connections all helped, but be that as it may, when people write about her, um, the Pelosi speaker, the speaker Pelosi era, they will write about how it has been one of the most dramatic periods in time. And she gets credit for effectively ending the second party in America, the Democrat Party, of having any conservatives. 
She ran candidates against in her own primaries against pro-life Democrats. You're not allowed to be pro-life. She turned effectively. Nancy Pelosi will go down in history as the woman who made the Democrat Party into the party of women, because you can't be a Democrat and be a man without acting like Fetterman. Without if you're Al Franken, you get run out of town. That's another indication, right? That he he whatever he did, it doesn't look as bad as what Bill Clinton did. It doesn't look as bad as what a lot of these guys. I think Eric Swalwell at least has public allegations of uh, of extramarital affairs and stuff. And Al Franken is uh, is run out of office. Why? Because he's white male. The Democrats became the party on policy and on personality of women. And if you are a man in their party, you have to act like a woman. You have to be bro. You have to be dominated by women and by women's positions. And so Joe Biden, who for 40 years of his career had positions that were uh, pro-life and uh, pro-law enforcement and et cetera, all that's changed. All, in order to succeed in the Democrat Party, you, in order to, the, the woke party, the Pelosi party requires that you become dominated by women. That's the Democrat Party. Pick an issue. Picking a, school teachers unions, their positions dominated by women. Those are women's positions. The, uh, the, the school teachers unions are, are hand in glove with Planned Parenthood, are hand in glove with the woke stuff, are hand in glove with the transgender stuff, are hand in glove with. I, I mean, again, I would say, I don't know the numbers. Somebody tell me the numbers of school teachers unions. I wish I'd looked it up before I got on here. School teachers union members, they're probably 70% women, right? And so we have a situation where. Nancy Pelosi, in history, will it be positive? Will it be positive to be the one described as massively increasing the welfare state, massively increasing the uh, transfer of wealth state, massively increasing the power of the nanny government? She did all that. She did all that. Again, she's not insignificant. I don't mean to say that. She's a historic figure. I think she may become historic because she took the Democrat Party into a place, into a space where being woke is eventually going to go mean you go broke. And more and more people are saying, I don't want to be a part of that. Now, she's able to cobble together wins in places because she's smart enough to know, you know, green is the biggest, uh, you know, the green's the biggest party, meaning money. And she raises gobbles of money and spreads it around. And she uses government largesse to spread it around. You, people forget hundreds of billions Hundreds of billions spent on COVID and lots of money. I mean, not in, transferred to the teachers unions for training, for pension bailout, all this stuff. And what do those people do? They take off the days and weeks before Election Day and they harvest ballots and they uh, work politically. It's, It's not without its ingeniousness to see it at work. But history, in looking at on all the issues, transgender, Pelosi's terribly far to the left, on marriage, far to the left, on on the, the nanny state, on the power of the state, on the uh, destruction of the family. Pick a topic. And she has been far left or she started center left and, be, and allowed it to go far left. So Nancy Pelosi has transformed the Democrat Party. This is what you need to know. Nancy Pelosi has transformed the Democrat Party into the women's party, American Karen's party, and and no white male or even black male, African American man can be in that party without becoming uh, beholden to those issues, the women's issues. Think about it. Think about it. 
ponder it for a minute. And you realize that's what happened. Even Obama on all the issues. I mean, he was a, he was a cerebral guy, a cool guy. Everybody says, I don't know what that means. He certainly wasn't a macho man. He certainly wasn't a strong character in terms of his, in terms of a male role model in terms of, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, but, but he, and he, he's surrounded by all girls, his two daughters and his wife and et cetera. I mean, Joe Biden dominated by Jill Biden, Susan Rice, Lisa Monaco, a couple other women. I guess Ron Klain's in there. But my point here is that's what Pelosi will be known for. And will that be a success for America? Will it be a success for the Democrat Party? I tend not to think so. All right, we got to take a break. We'll come back and talk with John Schlafly. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with John Schlafly. John Schlafly writes the weekly Schlafly Report, which publishes over at townhall.com and is also available in archive with all of his writings at phyllisschlafly.com. And uh, John, welcome back. Um, how are you feeling before we get to your column this week? Uh, the Republicans have the U.S. House, the Congress. They do not have the Senate. Um, and, uh, you know, some good wins in some states, um, DeSantis, obviously, Abbott in Texas, but not a victory in uh, Arizona. It doesn't look like, at least at this moment. And um, I guess the Nevada governor's race, uh, governor sh- did go to a Republican, but not the senator. I don't know. What's your how are you feeling 10 days or so away from the uh, midterm elections? Well, kind of worse. It's kind of a it's and so in some ways it's a rerun of 2020 ad where we. The Republicans are just killed by the lax and lenient election procedures that the Democrats put through. I mean, honestly, as long as we have early voting and mail voting and the risk of ballot harvesting, uh, I I don't think the Republicans can win with a system like that. And we've got to put an end to that. I'm not sure what the solution, how it's done. But um, well, and then we are getting to the column. So let me ask you, John, John Schlafly, again, his weekly column, the Schlafly Report this week, drop, drop box Dems, take another election. Let's say it point blank, John. Let's say it really direct. Everybody knew there was something wrong with the 2020 election sufficient that a lot of people didn't trust it. I, we don't know what that means. It could just be the covid perceptions. But that was the facts. And the truth is, the answer is. Nobody really did anything to address it. I mean, a few places they did a few things. And where a governor was a a Republican, uh, DeSantis, Abbott, they maybe got control enough. Or if you're cynical, if you're on the other side, they can say they got control enough so they'd win. They knew how to do the system. Uh, DeSantis had a lot more money than Chris. Uh, Abbott had a lot more money than, uh, well, I guess maybe Baby Beto had a lot of money. But my point is, John, Republicans, conservatives, all for all the hand wringing in the 2021 uh, year was there really any change? Because you're right. I mean, you had drop boxes, you had uh, mail-in ballots without signatures, you had all that stuff, and they did it again. Well, integ- election integrity bills were passed in Georgia, Florida, and Texas. Uh, uh, I'm not sure if there were any other states. The Florida bill was better than Georgia's. Um, Arizona, they didn't fix it. Maricopa and, County was one of the worst. Right. Same Despite having right. a Republican legislature and a Republican governor. No, they did not fix it. And then Pennsylvania had a terrible governor, I concede, but it had a Republican legislatures and and had a few. I think they elected another judge. Or I, I, anyway, my point is, 
when you look in when you're saying this system is still broken, you can never win. A bunch of the people who should take the blame are, should when they say that or look in the mirror. Right. Yes. And, um, you know, and now that uh, Donald Trump has announced for president uh, in 2024, I mean, we have to closely scrutinize what states will Trump be able to carry in 2024? Because, frankly, it looks like Pennsylvania has slipped away and Michigan. And so that very that narrows the path that Trump would have to win. And uh, but John, it's, it's just pausing for pausing for one second. Isn't that the comeback to somebody that says, oh, Donald Trump, uh, he gets a lot of people upset. The comeback is this. It doesn't matter what Republicans on the ballot in 2024. The path doesn't look like it's possible because of this same problem. It doesn't. You can run. You can run the greatest, cleanest, most amazing Republican. It it could come down. It could, you know, I don't know, pick somebody that's Ronald Reagan could come back at the height of his popularity. In this, it's just a math problem, right? Yeah, I think it's. I think that's true. Uh, there's, it's the election machinery has been hijacked by the Democrats now, and unfortunately, we've heard, you know, some republic, you know, some, uh, some, you know, conservative leaning people who said, okay, this is the new reality, and Republicans have just have to adjust to it. And basically, if you can't beat them, join them, and Republicans go out to try to. Uh, use the early voting and mail voting procedures to get out the Republican vote. I think that's foolish. It's not going to work. It's simple. It's simple reality that uh, the reason those procedures went in is that Democrats are able to get more votes that way. Republicans do not get more votes that way. They simply redistribute the votes they already have. And so uh, and, and John, let me tell you, and let me tell you why, because I know you were wondering if I would tell you why and, and, and enlighten you. And I will. And that's because when the Democrats have power, they pass things that that transfer money and the money transfer goes to allowing people to work in those fields. It's it, the racket is clear. You hundreds of billions of dollars of covid money went to the teachers unions and then the teachers unions employ people. And, the, and your way of life, your the machine politics works when conservatives have power. They they in in many cases, they pass lots of money that goes to left leaning interests to do the same thing. They don't generally say, hey, let's pass one hundred million dollars and distribute it to NRA members who can run, get out the vote in their spare time because in their uh, in their, you know, here's one. We're going to fund thousands and thousands of uh, gun safety classes and we'll overpay the people to to train them, to teach them. And then when we overpay them to teach them, the wink will be. Yeah, yeah. But on the side, you're going to do your private time. You're going to do registration and get out the vote. Conservatives don't do that. So it's never going to end as long as the government is as big and, and as spending as much as it, it has. I mean, tell me I'm wrong. And that's my point to you is don't try to negotiate uh, the terms of your surrender when you don't even realize you're surrendering. The drop boxes are always going to be a loser for conservatives because we're never going to be able to pay as many people as the other side pays with our own tax dollars to, to vote against us. Right. And I think that's a very, very good comparison between the teachers unions and the NRA. The teachers unions were supercharged by the COVID money, whereas the NRA has been effectively handicapped and and sidelined. And, you know, that's I think that reality, that political reality has showed up in the elections in 2020 and in 2022. 
We're talking with John Schlafly. And so, John, the, the Dropbox Dems take another election. The new column by John and Andy Schlafly available, phyllisschlafly.com. You know, your late mother, the Phyllis Schlafly, used to, uh, I remember I tell this story often, she leaned against the door a jam talking about one of her books. I think it was Who Killed the American Family? And she said, good, I've laid out all the ways it's a disaster, you know, all the problems, how it happened. Now, the last chapter has got to be, what do we do about it? Okay, John, so what do we do about it? And in a world where most of the energy is going to be focused on Hunter Biden's laptop and and talking about Trump. And and by the way, I'm talking about Republicans. That's what they want to talk about. Trump is not popular enough or he he gets soccer moms upset and Hunter Biden's laptop. We're whistling past the 2024 graveyard. What do we do? Well, I think the Hunter Biden uh, issue has kind of run its course, and it seems like old news now. Uh, but the FTX collapse is a brand new scandal, which needs to be investigated, you know, and pin the Democrats to the mat on that, because they're all been compromised by that. It touches everything. It touches the Democratic campaign. It touches Maxine Waters. It touches Ukraine. Um, you know, it's. It has, it, it, you know, it's, uh, there's everything there. And we, it, I think that needs to be the first order of business to expose that to the American people John, and how that John, crooked John, organization yeah. was used to um, effectively steal this election. John, is there a way uh, in your in your piece you you highlighted two two people and I think it's important. Uh, one is Chris Kobach, who my listeners know I've had him on the show before. I'm a big admirer of him, his brains, his talent, his toughness, um, and he won uh, for a Kansas Attorney General. Uh, and everybody tried to mess with him and not help him win, um, and he won. And and he's an extraordinary guy and a talented guy, and I think that he could be a, a real factor. You also highlighted in Florida, I think it was the a woman. I think it was a woman who won. I'm sorry, I'm not looking at my notes uh um, ashley moody yeah and she won as a trump-backed uh attorney general right of florida is that correct am i getting it right yeah yeah okay. that's right so is there a vision john do you have a vision where our state's attorneys general could make uh, legal arguments kind of like they did on obamacare where I, I mean i know that was a federal program so you could object uh, on states' rights, but is there some theory of the case where you could say, "Well, I'm Chris Kobach, and my uh, my voters in my state are being compromised when you're able to uh, corrupt the system, I, I, you know, and elect a senator uh, through uh, the the crazy system that happened in Arizona?" I don't know, John. I'm just trying to. Is there some way you could envision, even if it's only leadership, uh, a persuasive as opposed to legally effective? I do think there's a way. And there have been a number of powerful lawsuits that are already in the federal courts that have been led by a group of Republican attorneys general. Uh, And they've had some, you know, some good victories. And uh, uh, so I've been led by the attorney generals of Texas and Louisiana and Missouri. Now, the Missouri attorney general was just elected to the U.S. Senate. And we don't know who his successor would be. But uh, his office, as uh, for example, you know, stopping the the, the the student loan bailout is one one just recent example. Uh, there's another case that's going before the U.S. Supreme Court in a couple weeks, in which the lawsuit demands that the Biden administration 
put all illegal aliens in a path to deportation rather than prioritizing them as they've been doing and letting them stay indefinitely because that's what the law requires. Uh, John Schlatt, so I, you know, yeah, you, we, you, you, there's you, so much law that needs to be enforced. Okay, John, and, but let me pause and pa- maybe push back on you for a second. If you're saying that there could be law enforced on immigration, if you're saying that there could be law enforced on, say, uh, COVID and on on the national implementation of some of the rules that have been uh, draconian, whatever, all that's good and it's probably effective for a period. But if you don't fix the election system towards 2024, back to the beginning of this conversation, John, you, you draw me the map and you show me the Electoral College. And here we are. And it's hard to see who's got the path, a Repub- any Republican to get there. Uh, that's right. And um, all right. Well, it's back to the drawing board. Uh, Ed, <laughs> got some work to do. Uh, I, 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 I accept that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. I think and I think maybe maybe my point is that more and more people accepting those facts of life, uh, that that fact of life is, is important. And again, in light of some really exciting and wonderful um, uh, policy ideas and some battles and things. And uh, and I'll just leave it with this, John. I'm not sure in the media, big tech landscape that you can figure you can expect, you know, Rupert Murdoch's putting his thumb on the scales for the presidential uh, campaign by accounts. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I don't know how much is true, but certainly you watch the coverage of things and you say, huh, if you can dominate the coverage on Fox News um, and you're on X issue, Hunter's Hunter Biden's laptop, then Y issue uh, election, you know, ballot box stuffing, et cetera, is not going to get as much energy and elected officials are going to run towards the cameras. So it's a sort of a a, a um a problem that maybe gets worse and worse. So uh, we got to leave it there, John. John Schlafly, everybody. Thank you. His uh, column is over at phyllisschlafly.com archive there. This week's column is Dropbox Dems take another election uh, in the midst of what I would say is some gloomy uh, prospects. There are some shining uh, stars, the two mentioned attorneys general uh, in that uh, th- that one on, uh, on last uh, Tuesday. And we will take a break and we will be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with my old friend. I don't. I say that because we're friends for a long, my longtime friend. That's a better way to say it. <laughs> Jay Payleitner, uh, his website, jpayleitner.com. Uh, I put it up there. He does have a lot of books. They're excellent. He also has a lot of other stuff there. It's a good site. So check it out. Uh, Jay, welcome back. How are you? Well, Ed, always uh, a wonderful, delightful experience to hang with you, my friend. Well, let's talk about Thanksgiving, yeah, huh? Yeah, that's right. That's exactly what this is. The perfect year, the perfect guy, Jay. Many <laughs> of Jay's many books. He's got one that's uh, we talked about at some length on our last interview. Don't take the bait to escalate. The other one that I like is "Hooray for Grandparents" because uh, in my youth. I did learn how much my grandparents were a wonderful part of my life. As a parent now, I see my parents and my in-laws, the role they play in our kids' life. It's just wonderful. Um, so, uh, But 
Thanksgiving, especially after Donald Trump declares for president, means <laughs> there's always hot button topics that make some people upset. Is that Jay? Serious question. Is that worse now than when it was when we were all younger? Meaning, is the edge people have on politics or on issues or anything, or is it just like we always think about the world revolving around ourselves and our own experience? Well, I think uh, certainly uh, there's always been these differences, but they bubble to the surface more, I think. And that might be uh, the crisis that would need to uh, deal with. Uh, yeah, there's always been every Thanksgiving table uh, since the pilgrims were hanging out with the Indians. <laughs> there was there was conflict. But I think uh, uh, it's bubbling to the surface more, uh, which, you know, and it's a good to, that might be a good thing sometimes if you can get through that. But it, right. it's a, it's hurtful and painful. And some people I fear, Ed, are not showing up next Thursday because they don't want to deal with it. Oh, that's heartbreaking, isn't it? Yeah, and and the other one about this that I think is really a funny part of this culture is um, I think it feels like people are um, that that are working hard and not doing as well as they wanted. It's particularly sort of a vulnerable time. In other words, I got a buddy of mine who's otherwise a great success, but he's just he's struggling in it. He started his own business and he just feels terrible a lot. And it's I'm, I'm like, dude, nobody nobody thinks about that. In fact, let me say this, Jay, everybody that goes to a, a, one of these things and thinks how they're going to be judged or how they most people, I hate to say it, are worried about themselves. So I, I, I always tell my kids, my, my especially my my uh, teenagers, you know, Ego's a tool. It's a tool that you can use your ego, your you mm. can use it to for good or bad, or you can let it r- dominate you. But it's supposed to be a tool and you need to put it aside and be sort of more humble. But I think uh, I think a lot of people are worried about being judged because there's a lot of judging going on. So back to the book, uh, four factors uh, of the book. Let's go through them uh, in terms of um, uh, thinking about what could happen if there's going to be conflict. Well, yeah, it is interesting. Uh, the book "Don't Take the Bait to Escalate" yep. is kind of a relationship, business, uh, how to get through life without uh, dealing with conflict. And then my book "Hooray for Grandparents" that just came out. Uh, let's put this in the lap of grandparents to maybe uh, uh, keep the peace or, or tap down any animosity or, or or make it a point to enjoy enjoy and cherish uh, the time around that Thanksgiving table. Yeah, the four factors from the book certainly ap- apply to Thanksgiving. Uh, they are, I'm going to go real, real quickly through them. Yes, One, please. decide what you really want. Right. Know the risks. Empathize with your adversary and expect the win. Now, at a Thanksgiving table, decide what you really want. Sometimes you want a good argument in life. That's kind of a fun thing to kind of kick around ideas with somebody. But at a Thanksgiving table... You want to cherish the, the family and enjoy the meal and look across the table and say, man, I care about you. We may be different, but we maybe have different politics or have come around things with different directions. But I care about you. You're part of my family or closest friends. So decide what you really want is to keep the peace. I'm going to keep going here. Right, uh, knowing, yeah, the, knowing the risks. You gotta kinda expect some fireworks, especially you know that Uncle Uncle Joe's coming or or the the uh college kids coming and they're gonna bring some some fireworks to the table. Just expect that. Know that and see what you can do ahead of time to anticipate it and maybe have a good response. Empathize with your adversary. Hey, you know what? They're family, they're friends. Let's let's see if we can listen to their side of the story a little more. And then expect the win. You know what? 
uh, at the end, when you're all going home, when you're driving home from that Thanksgiving dinner, uh, don't you want you to be able to turn to your to your your spouse and say, "Man, that was a great time. I'm so glad I was there." Or when you're doing dishes at the end of the whole thing, it's like, "Man, what a great day this was." Isn't that what we want? So, um, so that's the that's how to we need to anticipate conflict. That might be uh, one of the things uh, that we that take away from our conversation today, Ed, is that you know what? Let's not stick our head in the sand. Let's anticipate that there's going to be different viewpoints coming to the table. Uh, again, we're, we're talking with uh, Jay Payleitner and his uh, newest book, which uh, I will again put up on social media. His website is jpayleitner.com. Um, his newest book is Hooray for Grandparents. Uh, the other one we're talking about, the one that I looked at more closely in my head, I'm thinking about for Thanksgiving is Don't Take the Bait to Escalate. <laughs> I, one thing about that, Jay, is it takes a lot in the sort of modern era for people to not want to argue back again it it probably is human it's probably not unique to this moment but it feels like it is that you know when somebody says something that's you know patently false or obviously meant to dig you know on somebody you see it like you know aunt judy is taking a a shot at uh you know a cousin dave you want to kind of you want to police it right you want to be and there's a part of it where i hate to say it in certain settings at this moment and maybe all times being a little more passive is is probably the the better thing not now not when somebody goes too far i know but just generally kind of taking a chill is maybe more valuable right now especially in the holidays like this well uh, i think that's exactly right uh especially on holidays let's see if we can kind of all get along um and here's a couple ideas to do that um, By the way, I stole this from you in my readings because one of the things you said was abandon your own agenda. There's a point well, where, you know, so that that that's a phrase that you use that I thought that's right. Like I got to not I'm not going to make my point just because I woke up this morning. I'm just going to focus on the gravy. <laughs> literally, literally focus on the gravy. I'm not sure what that really means. Right, um, right. Well, you know, first off, let's let's admit that maybe you're part of the problem. You right. come to the table, you go, oh, those troublemakers are going to come in. That troublemaker guy or that troublemaker gals come to the table. Well, you know, maybe you're part of the problem too. That's always a a good uh, a good thing to consider. But you know what? Even if you are at, at at political or spiritual or cultural odds with a guest. Maybe choose ahead of time. Don't even go there. You know, if they start to pick a fight, if they start to pick a fight, and maybe they've come with that intention. Oh, my goodness. Maybe have have words ready to deflect that or minimize that. Or, uh, you know, if they say, ah, I, I see your buddy Trump is running for president again. Or, or maybe uh, somebody says, uh, well, anyways, you say, I mean, have these words ready. You could say something like, you know what? Hey, you know what? I'm not even thinking about politics today. I'm not even going to think about politics today. I'm thinking about turkey and pumpkin pie and this beautiful family and, and God's graciousness to us. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking about the Patriots-Vikings game later today. But, you know, and they bring some humor to it, bring some joy and, and look them in the eye and say, I care about you. More than today, that issue. Later on, if you want, we could we could get to have a you know have a beer later on and talk about it. But right now, let's 
set abandon our own agenda. That's pretty good, I think. Yeah, yeah, it, I think it is. I mean, well, and and sometimes uh, again, our guest is Jay Payleitner, and he's an author. He's a uh, media professional, a speaker. Uh, does a lot of work with uh, his. And, and we've and known others. each other for for fifteen That's years true. now. You I can't know. pronounce my it's last name right. I know it's, ter- it's terrible. <laughs> Payleitner. It is. It's crazy. a hard one. Payleitner. Well, no, it's also <laughs> on, on radio. I, I beat my listeners. No, I but I butcher I butchered Smith a lot. I mean, it's well, just crazy. It, uh, so, uh, but Jay. Um, Back to uh, abandon your uh, whatever you're doing there, attacking me just because I mis- mispronounced your name. I mean, I'm come sorry. on. Uh, uh, the, no, uh, sorry. I love you, but, man. But uh, the, the, Jay, the um, other dynamic that's the elephant in the room, in a way, is every family, it seems, has the shattered relationships, meaning divorce, mm. right, or or estrangement, or maybe sometimes worse, uh, the married couples who are so clearly not together, right, that they're just struggling. And that's not the end of the world, right? Everything relationships go through, but and especially for children, that's. I mean, I know in my own life, that's a challenge. How you navigate that because you're picking up the tension, and whether you're 52 years old or 15, you're feeling like a little kid when you Mm. are seeing some of these things well uh that is uh an ongoing thread in my book hooray for grandparents i mean the book has lots of fun stuff and ideas and questions and things to do but that ongoing thread of you know mom and dad who are raising these kids are uh you know, just sometimes trying to get through the day, meeting the, meeting the budget. They're building their career at the same time. There's something going on with their house. Or they, you know, remodeling something. There's always something when you're in your you know thirties and forties and early fifties raising those kids, and you're so busy. Um, that's where grandparents can come in. They've got a bigger long term perspective, and they can they can love on a, a teenager who's, who's hurting. You know, mom and dad sometimes are, are so busy worried about that kid getting into college or, or making a name for themselves or, or, you know, getting off drugs that they forget to love on the kid. So a grandparent can love on a 17 year old who's hurting. A grandparent can, can get on the floor with a, with a two year old and goof with them when, when a mom and dad are trying to do something else. They're, they're trying to, you know, uh, carpool, that kind of thing. Uh, grandparents can, uh, can say, hey, let's go take a walk to a to a ten year old who's a little frustrated by something. So I, I'm lifting up grandparents these days and saying, man, you're because when the, grandparents aren't old and and and, and decrepit anymore. I mean, right. I'm a grandpa. I'm a grandpa yeah, eight yeah, times yeah. over, right, right, and right. Uh, I got all, I should have all kinds of energy and time and and such that I know that my kids don't have. So yeah. um, uh, if you're a grandparent, step it up, man. Enjoy it. Right. Uh, either one on one or the whole group or a whole you know uh, van load or, or SUV load of kids. Take them out and go do something with them. Uh, you you want to do that, and the parents want you to do that. Yeah, um, yeah. it's just that we forget sometimes. Yeah, we, well, we hesitate. It's a um, that's a good. I think that's a hooray for grandparents is the book. Jay Payleitner is the uh, author. Uh, jpayleitner dot com. Check it out. Uh, great stuff for Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Jay. Thank you for the book, and thank you also uh, for coming on and spending some time. Uh, you know what, Ed, uh, uh, reminding everybody to, to pray before the dinner table, oh, pray yeah. before you Thanksgiving, but don't go too long. Don't <laughs> let the food, get, don't let the food get cold. Don't let the food get cold. The gravy's right, getting hey. cold. The gravy's getting cold. <laughs> thanks, all right, buddy. Have, yeah, have a good right. one. All right. Thanks, Jay. Jay Pilliner. We'll we, we will uh, catch up. I'll put it all up on social media. Great advice. Uh, great guy and great books. So uh, check it out. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a pro America report back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. 
Now here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Television networks are not allowed to censor speech in advertisements by political candidates. So why have social media monopolies gotten away with their censorship of conservative viewpoints? Emails uncovered in one case recently showed how big tech censored critics of Democrat policies in order to pander to demands by the Biden administration. Far from banning dangerous users, as big tech and its supporters pretend in court, they have instead been banning conservatives, including Donald Trump, for the political goal of helping Democrats. Yet mass shootings have been broadcast live over social media, sometimes apparently motivated by that publicity, and threats of violence have been posted by shooters on their accounts without being timely censored. Twitter was not acting to prevent violence or trying to combat any hate speech when it halted the personal account of the popular Congresswoman Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, who Twitter falsely pretended was somehow a menace to society. Big tech is beholden to liberals in government and has been taking orders from Democrats on Capitol Hill about what to delete. Biden himself has demanded that big tech exclude statements he dislikes from appearing on the Internet, declaring in January that it has to stop. In court, big tech pretends it must have an unlimited right to exclude fringe groups and postings or else so-called hate speech will overrun its platforms. But the Internet developed just fine without an Orwellian Ministry of Truth based in California. Telephone companies and other common carriers are not allowed to prohibit comments based on their content, and neither should social media monopolies. No matter how many slick-suited lawyers big tech hires, they cannot hide the fact that they have an obligation to allow diverse viewpoints on their platforms. If they want to control their content, then they should be held liable for the posts that users make. Big tech can't have their cake and eat it too, after all. It's up to courageous conservatives to call out these hypocrisies and demand accountability from social media platforms at every level. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. If you're busy taking notes, you can stop now because these commentaries in written form and spoken audio are archived on the website phyllisschlafly.com, many recorded by Mrs. Schlafly herself. If you're doing research or missed a day, just go to phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and re-listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. All hearts and minds turn to Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving these days, and uh, mine is too. And let me let me say two of the great people of this uh, program, the Pro-America Report, two of the great helps that over the years, years, have helped make it a success and get lots of people listening are, of course, the producer Noah Dingley and... The associate producer, Joanna Spilger, the two of them are fantastic. One is based, of course, in St. Louis. Joanna Spilger works for the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles and has been there uh, four plus years and helps everybody on the, in that world, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles world, whether our staff, our volunteers, our board. She's just a wonderful uh, colleague. 
of mine and uh, and we, we love her and love her help and then she lives in st louis and then um of course noah dingley lives in san diego at the uh, at the uh, center of the radio universe at the answer san diego uh the salem radio network and so here's the thing two of them the two of them great great helps both getting married this year noah dingley got married a few months ago uh very happily uh lovely wife and a happy man he's great and excited and um it's just fun to see and fun to hear about it and so and also joanna spilger is also getting married and she's getting married in a few weeks and so she's leaving her position with the phyllis Schlafly eagles to go get married and uh and so we're ex- excited we're gonna lose her so i still get noah dingley helping uh produce i mean producing everything and then I, i'm gonna have to find some more help so if we're if we're uh sort of hiccuping especially on guest booking and things that's because joanna spilger went off to be to get married and so let me just uh, say uh, very clearly, thank you to Noah, a wonderful guy, a wonderful producer, wonderful colleague. So glad to work with him and glad that we'll be uh, together, com- continuing to work together uh, going forward. And thank you to Joanna Spilger. We call her the associate producer. She does books, our guests and helps with all the content. She's just extraordinary. So two incredibly wonderful people to work with. And we wish him well and happy Thanksgiving. You know, if you're blessed to have in your life good family, good friends, good health, I guess all those good things. But one of the things, when you get good colleagues to work with that are quality people, believers, and one, it's a it's a real gift. And so I thank the good Lord for uh, Joanna Spilger and her great efforts on our behalf and wish her well as she goes forward. So thank you for that. All right. And we'll have more uh, Thanksgiving uh, thoughts in the coming days um, because there's a lot to be thankful for. So we will um, be back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you soon. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.